umgoblue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to this very special edition of the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. And we're going to cover Michigan's thrilling last second victory, 19 to 17 over Illinois to remain undefeated and talk about the game. Well, Clint, first things first, what did you think about Michigan versus Illinois? I thought the first half looked pretty normal, uh, you know, with Michigan really uh, executing efficiently on offense and um, bogging down a little bit um, once they got in the red zone. And then a little bit of, uh, you know, the defense was, was still very strong. Uh, and, and they went into the halftime with a lead, uh, albeit a close lead. You know, it looks a lot like some other games um, from a statistic standpoint. But obviously the huge difference was right before halftime when uh, Blake Corum, you know, gets his uh, – you know, gets hit at the knee level and, and looked like he hyperextended his, his knee a little bit and, uh, you know, threw everything into question. And that, uh, you know, obviously that changed the whole makeup of the game. And uh, also, you know, since his knee, since he had that kind of shockwave of pain and, and probably fear of an injury, he, uh, he put the ball on the carpet and Illinois scooped it up. So not only was his status thrown immediately in the question but another scoring opportunity went by with uh you know with no, nothing scored so outside of that the first half was pretty much normal the way that i saw it um but losing blake Corm obviously changed the whole complexion of the second half even before the apparent injury to blake Corum, while we were watching him run you made some observations what did you think about the way he was running in that first half well, I thought he looked really good running the ball, but finishing runs looked strange to me. Looked like, uh, for example, there was uh, on the second drive, Michigan was backed up near its own uh, end zone. And for the first time, we saw a halfback screen, something that we hadn't seen certainly at all this year. And I don't think that we saw any of those traditional halfback screens last year either. So it breaks out and, and Corum, you know, gets, I think, 37 yards on that play. But he's got a step on the corner of the guy chasing him. And he kind of goes out of bounds uh, without being forced to. It was like he was kind of avoiding all contact, kind of like uh, you hear quarterbacks coached, you know, to, you know, get down and slide early or to step out of bounds and avoid taking the hit. It seemed like he was kind of doing something similar. And, and I thought that, that it looked strange. Uh, certainly didn't look normal for him. Um, and then there was another run. I think it was in the second quarter where he was uh, he was running toward the, the home sideline and he gets tackled. Um, not a huge hit or anything, but he kind of like as contact was made, he kind of like collapsed down and like landed on both knees. So it just it just seemed like he was uh, a little bit anti-contact and maybe trying to protect himself um from injury um and that's what i had mentioned is that it's you know that's it's usually a bad idea to run differently right or to play the game differently to try to avoid uh an injury it usually ends up putting you into a 
position that you're not comfortable with and that's it makes because you're in a position that you're not comfortable with makes injuries more likely so uh i i should have kept my mouth shut i didn't realize that i had that kind of uh that kind of jinx power but um it, it was it, it was apparent it, right from that first um you know from the first the first snap of the game was a long run and he kind of went out of bounds instead of cutting back and trying to take it to the house that seemed, you know, relatively normally. You know, the guys were in front of him. The, the defenders from Illinois had an angle, you know, on him. That made sense. But once he got that screen pass and was even or ahead of the guy from Illinois and kind of went out of bounds on the, you know, without being forced to, that that was kind of strange. And that's when I started kind of keeping an eye on, on how he ended every play, right, you know, at or before contact. Well, Clint, you weren't the only one. You know, we've been around football long enough that it's kind of a maxim that says if you're running to not get hurt or playing to not get hurt, sometimes you end up getting dinged. And I thought the same thing. I, I was glad that I didn't tweet it while we were observing it, but, but, you know, we were definitely talking about it. He definitely seemed to be running a little bit different. And, you know, we can we can read a lot into that, and we really don't know what it is. I mean, uh you know, in retrospect, I mean, it, it's terrible to see that, you know, the apparent injury and what that means, you know, for Blake and what that means for Michigan. It definitely affected the trajectory of the Illinois game. I kind of had a feeling that he was going to come out there and be with us in the second half. Uh, didn't expect him to play, really, but that's, that's just Blake. I mean, he, he's going to be out there no matter what, but... Uh, yeah, it's just about adapting, adjusting. You know, I got trust in 143 guys, and they're going to do the best of their ability and get it done in any way they can. And, yeah, I mean, we just had to go a different route, and we had to trust different guys, and, yeah, we were totally okay with that. And, you know, it's just a huge cloud hanging over, you know, the contest versus Ohio State. But, you know, to get back just to where we were in the game, I mean, like you said, Michigan enters the half leading seven to three and then gets outscored by Illinois in the third quarter, 14 to three. And fortunately scored nine points and pitched a shutout against Illinois in the fourth quarter. Of course needed that last second field goal by uh, Jake Moody to, to seal the victory. But again, it was heading into half. It's like, Oh, we've seen this before. Michigan's going to come out and, and hit a gear and, just run away with it, and that is not what happened. I mean, um, you know, Harbaugh makes a big point of wanting to win each half. And what's interesting is that Illinois outscored Michigan by a score of 14-12 to 12 in that second half. So definitely not the way they drew it up. Always glad to have the victory, but, you know, with Donovan Edwards out and, you know, Blake dinged up, we got to see some extensive action from Michigan's next couple backs. And, again, C.J. Stokes looked good. Isaiah Cash had a, had a few runs. But there's definitely a fall-off after Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. And, you know, it's interesting because even with the injury, Blake Corum still ran for 108 yards. And you know, came back for a for a play and had a had a had a brief run, you know, a short gain in that second half. But there's definitely something going on, 
and you know it, it's it's a huge concern for for you know again for the rest of the season because we don't know exactly what's going on now it was covered in the media that Blake was out handing out turkeys for the Thanksgiving Day holiday so and and the point that you know I made when we were there Clint is you know uh, our photographer saw Blake walking around in the tunnel it was covered on the broadcast and you know people were quick to point out on Twitter well that doesn't mean anything and I'm like well yeah it does mean something okay because the most severe injuries were ruled out okay there are injuries where you're not going to be walking around you're going to be you know you're going to leave the field and you're not going to come back but there's a lot of variability between a severe injury and an injury that's going to prevent him from cutting from cutting and running and playing in, against Ohio State yeah you have to assume that you're not going to have him at 100% that's for sure um he I, I thought it was a really good sign for Blake and for the team that he did come back in the second half. He did get the one carry uh, on the first drive after halftime. Uh, gained five yards, and it was not uh, you know not a simple run. You know, he took some contact, uh, broke a tackle, and kind of moved the pile for the last two yards or so in pretty traditional fashion, and uh, stayed in the game after that run. I, you know, on rewatch, I. I paid a little bit closer attention to see what happened with him. Um, that run went well. He stayed in the game, played the next snap. <clears throat> the next snap was a play-action pass where he like uh, he took a fake handoff and kind of simulated a jump cut um, to his right, you know, uh, and and that's kind of when he kind of came up lame and hobbled off the field and, and was done for the rest of the day. So it's clear that he didn't have uh, – didn't feel stable uh, doing everything that um, that he needed to do to be able to run the ball effectively, but I still take it as a pretty good sign that structurally his knee was was good enough for the doctors to clear him to take any to have any action in the in the second half. Um, no, nothing right now. Um, got cleared to go back in, and uh, we'll see where. See where it is tomorrow, how it feels tomorrow. But structurally good, which is great news. For him to take an actual handoff in the third quarter and stay in the game after you know being at the bottom of a pile. So um, <clears throat> to your point, I think that the greatest or most detrimental injuries uh, likely are ruled out. He probably sprained uh, one of the ligaments in there. And the question is how much progress can he make healing and resting uh, in a week's time and and how how much usage and at what percent of his effectiveness will you have him for the Ohio State game and what I mentioned uh, to uh, a, a Wolverine fan friend of mine was I think you, you got to kind of start your game plan around you know your first drive how do you use how do you use Blake Corum um, effectively based on what he can do, but also how do you use him as a decoy in that first series on offense and then build the rest of your game plan once the jig is up, once they know that Blake is not at 100% or not going to be able to carry the ball 25 times <clears throat> for sure, then you have to have your normal game plan, right? You can't uh, – he's not going to be an effective decoy for much more than the first series. So um, that's that's going to be a challenge for the, for the coaching staff, but – 
still a lot of um, a lot of capability for this offense. Um, the the game is certainly you know not going to be decided, um, you know, just based on this one injury. But it certainly uh, it certainly you know sent a dark cloud over the whole program there for a minute. Yeah, and it's too bad because it was a really exciting game. You know, it's always an exciting game when you can come out and win. You always want to be on that side of it. But again, really a thrilling game to close out the home slate at Michigan Stadium. And wow, uh, you know that last play, Jake Moody. Um, you know, Coach Harbaugh had had great things to say about it. Been watching Michigan football since I was a kid. Pretty pretty decent historian of Michigan football, and uh, I am I am. Uh, nominating him for legendary status at the at the university and again it's just too bad that it comes on the tail end of you know possibly a very serious injury and not only for the season but you know you have Blake who's just been a workhorse this season who's been you know enthusiastic to get the ball as much as as you know they would give it to him you never want to see a player get hurt and again, it's, you know, there's the se- implications for the game and the season and there's implications for the player and you never want to see somebody get injured, especially, uh, you know, uh, on the tail end of just an amazing season and with with so much left to do. So, um, you know, I think, Clint, how did you feel about what Michigan did in that second half where after they had to kind of de-emphasize Blake, um, you know, unfortunately we saw some of the same issues with the deep passing game. And part of that was influenced by the weather. You know, it was, it was quite windy down in the bowl, which again makes the kick, the game-winning kick, even more amazing. Nothing that we haven't seen before, especially playing up here. Um, you know, it's, it's not the SEC. you got to deal with some tough wind conditions and you know it was freezing cold out there but um you know it's it's nothing that we haven't dealt with before and is there any kick in your career that compares to this uh no <laughs> not, not even close standing on the left here angelique jake last year you said you were talking to us and said that you often when you can't sleep you think about different kicking scenarios and you mentioned kicking the game winner against ohio state what now that it's happened i mean how does it does it live up to those, those dreams that you had in those sleepless nights? I'd say it's even better, honestly. Um, this is actually my first game winner I've ever had, you know, in my entire life. Um, never had one in high school, middle school, nothing like that. Um, so, you know, for it to be on my final game at the big house, you know, it, it was pretty magical. And But you have to wonder, uh, you know, did we see a, a little bit of foreshadowing of, what Michigan will have to do heading into Columbus if, if Blake is going to be out? Well, I think for sure having your top two running backs out was, was obviously a critical factor. I think the underrated factor that, no, that we didn't really talk about or, or follow up on was um, Schoonmaker did not – take many snaps at tight end. So uh, we did see Colston Loveland get a majority of the tight end snaps. 
And then the second and third tight ends in the game were Joel Honigford and Matthew Hibner. Um, and then Eric all obviously had surgery earlier this season. So you were really down to your third, fourth and fifth string tight ends, uh, really leading your running game at the point of attack. And that was a huge difference. I thought, um, as compared to what we usually see with, uh, with Luke Schoonmaker being the, the main tight end and, and leading, um, from a blocking standpoint, I think we miss Schoonmaker in the, in the passing game, uh, as well. So those were certainly a big deal. I think also in this, I don't have a lot of insider information, of course, but, um, I think some of the best, some of Michigan's most, uh, reliable, explosive passing concepts have been on the shelf for about four or five weeks. I think we've seen a pretty clear step down for JJ McCarthy in terms of output statistically. And in my mind that aligns with some of their more reliable uh, passing concepts that he's really good at. They're not calling those plays as much, not putting it on film as much against different defenses and and it's likely that they they feel confident that they'll be able to call those plays in the bigger games going forward against Ohio State and hopefully in uh in the Big 10 championship game without having to to have uh they tried not to bring out their best stuff and still win the game and shorthanded guys resting some of your best offensive concepts kind of uh gathering dust on the shelf all of that was a lot of handicap <laughs> to to kind of strap yourself with um and that's what we saw in the second half was uh kind of self-imposed adversity and then all of a sudden you look you're down a you're you're down a touchdown uh in the fourth quarter and um the the silver lining to that cloud is we did get to see a little bit of uh you know facing adversity and mental toughness from from players in leadership spots and that's really what i was trying to focus on and try to channel all of my personal anxiety as a fan in that fourth quarter was really looking for who was going to step forward and make really big plays and big moments and uh you know none bigger than isaiah gash uh on a fourth down conversion making a catch after uh, having dropped a big a big pass on the previous series so um, from a mental toughness standpoint and a leadership standpoint, Saturday was a really, really great day. You, you know, you still, you still have to have those moments where, uh, your back's against the wall and, and you have to perform. Um, nobody really expected that to come in the fourth quarter against Illinois on senior day, but, uh, it is what it is. And, and I think Michigan showed that they can, they can still make it work even without, you know, a lot of their best players on offense uh, and, and maybe their best player on defense is, as well with, uh, with Mike Morris out. So the thing that I take away from Saturday that was surprising to me is it appeared in that third quarter. First, Illinois scored two touchdowns. I mean, that's, you can't take that up. You can't ignore that. Right. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't just them scoring. It looked like they were getting it going on offense. And it's one of the first times that I can remember this season in the second half 
that it appeared that an opposing offense was gaining strength on our defense. Like, yeah. like it looked like they were getting it going on and catching gear. And, you know, they had the one play with the, uh, um, you know, that kind of killed one of their drives. But I think that's what surprised me. Now, conversely, we saw the Michigan defense firm up in the fourth quarter and, and, and stop it. Okay. So, you know, there were good things to see. There was bad things to see. Like, if I had to pick a team that was going to um, scare me on offense, I wouldn't have guessed it would be Illinois in this game. Um, heading into this last game, now, before they took the field, right, there's different uh, opinions on the status of Donovan Edwards. And before anybody took a snap, I thought, well, okay, perhaps Donovan Edwards may be back for Ohio State. The thought is, we don't need him versus Illinois. You know, Blake and, and crew can take care of it. And then Blake came out, and, and as we observed, it appeared he was running tentatively. You know, I'm like, well, maybe it's it's cold, or maybe it's he's just being careful, right? And then he got dinged up. And at that point, like you said, it's self-imposed adversity but oh boy you know we had a preview of if donovan is out and blake is out then jj is really going to have to shoulder the load and we have not we've seen it we've seen the long passing game so close to connecting right and as you said it appears that they've taken some of the plays out of the playbook and and pushed them back to uh to save for week 12 perhaps but there's also a point to practicing what you want to do, right? And I mean, practicing on State Street is not the same as, you know, practicing in the uh, or executing on State Street isn't the same as practicing on Main Street. So I, I hope that there is a, a, a masterful plan being done by the coaches. Um, I, I had to chuckle as I was walking to the press conference. There was a an older Michigan fan and a, and a very young boy walking behind me. And the kid was like, dad, why was this game so close? And the dad was like, well, you know, maybe Harbaugh is laying a trap for Ohio state. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, uh, from your, uh, from your lips to God's ears, because, uh, yeah. you know, that's, that's a little too much strategy for me. So, but I, I think we all were, we're wondering, you know, and, and it is interesting because it was a really cold day with trying conditions and the fans stayed there and they were definitely into the game and supporting the team. So that's always good to see. And again, I think uh, after the game, the Michigan players said all the right things. JJ said all the right things. What a game, huh? <laughs> you know, Coach Harbaugh has talked several times in the last few weeks about them being on a joyful mission it's not grim right no that's as i said i mean we don't it's not it's not been one of those you know there's no anxiety to it i mean, I mean we're on a happy mission it's not a grim mission and just the way this team is i mean they're they're uh there's a together a team and it's not it's not anxious it's not nervous they don't play in fear um, they don't flinch um, they're not angry they uh, you know it's a they play with joy and gusto uh, every single every single time they they go out there um, 
You can tell this is, I mean, this is one we're really, really happy about and proud about. And it's funny because I think we were all more scared than the team was. I mean, the team came in very loose. Money money. And, you know, it, it's, it's really interesting for me to see, having been around a lot of, uh, you know, covering Michigan for a while, having been around a lot of, you know, teams at different levels, this team seems very loose, very confident, um, exactly how you'd want them to be. And again, they're 11 and 0, but um, it, 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 they don't seem to be daunted by the challenge. And, you know, I think that bodes well, but I do, you know, I do have concerns again, you know, uh, you know, there's that, that saying the next time will be the first time. That's kind of how I feel about, you know, JJ lighting it up with the long, with consistently on long passes. I mean, we see it here and there. You know, there was the one play, the really nice play to Andrew Anthony, and um, again, woulda, coulda, shoulda caught it, didn't, right? He catches that mm-hmm. play, and it changes the whole perception. It changes the mm-hmm. whole game a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we had a couple different instances of that, like you said, when, when, uh, and and that to me, you know, going back to the Blake Corm injury. What concerned me was when he got hit, he dropped the ball, okay? And, you know, I used to say, uh, you know, when you were, you know, working with players at the high school level, hit him so hard he's a gumball machine, right? Gives you a treat. Well, they hit him, and somebody who get, who is who we've seen get hit pounded year in and year out and not drop the ball, the ball went flying. And that was the thing that really, um, you know, cause concern for me because you know that you know it seemed like his instincts took over and he's like forget the ball you're hurt right and mm-hmm. uh and that was something that you just you just don't see that so again there was on one hand that game was really close to michigan blowing it out you know hey uh when you're down in that situation one bad snap uh you know it could have gone the other way and it was good to see the team overcome adversity yeah and the I know you mentioned the defense in the second half felt like Illinois really got rolling, but, but really it started in the second quarter. Uh, Illinois ran 23 plays in the second quarter and only came out with three points. Um, and that's where they, they jumped from 29% success rate in the first quarter to 39% success rate in the second quarter. And they started um, really leaning on the same kind of pin and pull concept that uh, Michigan runs well with, you know, multiple linemen pulling, usually two guards pulling, and they had more success getting up to the linebacker level, getting getting those blocks and delivering them to the linebackers instead of the linebackers plugging those holes. And that's what changed back in the in the fourth quarter. The the really the play of the linebackers is really what you would map and look at, you know, how successful Illinois was uh, through the second and third quarter. And again, credit to, to those guys, to Mike Barrett and to Junior Colson and to the, to the coaching staff for making those adjustments in game. And, and Illinois still ran 17 plays in the fourth quarter, got no points and only 55 yards. You know, but seventy-six uh, percent of Illinois' total yardage came in the second and third quarter. Um, and again, that main delivery, what was was really fixing that pin and pull concept, concept, where Michigan was dominating in the first quarter, where the the down blocks on the D line, 
were not effective at all. Mason Graham had a really brilliant first uh, first quarter, uh, especially. And then they made some adjustments on their offensive line. It was successful for Chase Brown, the running back, in the second and third quarter. And then the Michigan linebackers made another adjustment, and that's what allowed them to pitch that shutout in the fourth quarter. So, um, again, you have to be able to do that. You have to kind of battle through some of those things um, in the course of the season. It comes in a weird spot, and and also this didn't happen in a vacuum. I mean, Michigan played at noon against Illinois, so we all saw this first, you know. But on the ride home, I was listening to uh, to Ohio State down at halftime in College Park against Maryland, and uh, had a had a really significant chance to lose that game in the fourth quarter. Um, so. I think there's a similar uh, dynamic at play there. They probably rested some guys. They probably, you know, put some of their best uh, best offensive concepts on the shelf, and then tried to win a game, you know, with that handicap, and uh, and you know, flew a little bit too close to the sun there a little bit. So, I think it happens everywhere. We saw some other places outside of the Big Ten where where teams just did not play their best for whatever reason. And uh, it's it's a pretty normal thing. It's hard. It's really hard to play your best game 12 times uh, through the course of a season with, you know, with college kids and, and over the course of three months of, uh, you know, some hard hitting, uh, you know, big time football. These injuries happen. You know, guys are dinged up. Guys are fatigued. Mental uh, mental fatigue and physical fatigue kind of take their toll. And November is always full of chaos. So it was good to to have to face that down and to come out successful. And now we just we hope that uh, those guys that were resting all come back uh, close to full strength, uh, especially Blake Corum, and, and we move on and make the trip to Columbus. So, you know, I talked a little bit about how the team was really loose after the game. And again, we're, you know, on a roller coaster ride. You know, Ronnie Bell comes out and says, It almost sucks sometimes when you win by a bunch and you don't get to play four quarters, man. So you wouldn't want it any other way. The team seems to be definitely aiming for Ohio State. There was a lot of talk about that even in the post game. Coach Harbaugh uh, would not address it. You know, he was ducking it. But, but the players were definitely, um, you know, the players are aware of it. Okay, and you know, uh, you had Chris Jenkins talking about it. Honestly, I think we're I think we're really prepared. You know, we really we really try to keep that mindset. You know, preparing for them. You know, throughout the year and everything that we do. You know, not just you know playing a game of football, but with our workouts, with everything. So we're just we're just setting our every in everything that we do. You know, we're setting that mindset, setting that attitude, setting that identity. So when we when we go over to play them, you know, we give them our best shot. Honestly, we're we're really excited. You know, this is a, this is a big time game. Like I said, we've been preparing for this the whole year. So you know, now that the moments you know finally here, we're really excited. We're really excited to you know go all out to just to just fly around and you know just get ready to play that game. Ronnie Bell and JJ talking about it. I believe we're ready for next week anyway. Shape or form, we're going to step up. Everybody's going to step up. So um, we're just going to go out next week and attack and come prepared. I wouldn't say I wouldn't go as far as saying it's not there, but um, I think uh, again just repetition and practice, man. Uh, I think uh, 
like today, you know, like uh, like I said, with the meat on the bone, like it's just it's just the slightest slightest of things that we're missing on. I don't think necessarily though that like it's uh, yeah. I don't I don't know if I'd say it's not there. That's kind of crazy. What you think? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, everything's a work in progress, and obviously we have so much so much high expectations for us as an offense, especially right. in the passing game. So of course everyone's looking at that gap, like why isn't it there? And there's really no ceiling to it. So there's always going to be questions of uh, why isn't it there? We should be throwing for 400 yards a game, all that. But you know, our identity is a smash fest, and we love to run the rock, and we love to do it and inflict our force on any opponent we play. So a lot of the meat on the bone is still on the bone, and it's ready to come off next Saturday. As a fan, I'm sitting here going, well, yeah, but we're in, we're in game 12, right? And we, we hope there are more games ahead, you know, a Big Ten championship game and then two more games in the college football playoffs. But we are getting to the point where you are who you are, right? Like, And, you know, during the season – I like to break it up into quarters and say, okay, are we, are we progressing? You know, kind of a dashboard. Are we where we thought we would be? And here we are heading into the last quarter, the last game of the regular season. And, you know, again, rushing game looks incredible, but there's some questions with Donovan Edwards and Blake Corn being dinged up. And right now, if I had to rely on, you know, a long pass play, I... I would have some concerns. Um, with that said, hey, uh, next week in Columbus would be a great time to to see that. And there's definitely people in the fan base who would like to see JJ unleashed. It's it's, it's pretty cool uh, coming off of coming off of the game he had. You know, fourth quarter comeback, win in the last minute, uh, game winning drive. I mean, that doesn't happen to. Uh, to quarterbacks, um, you know, that often, and to be in that situation, you know, first time and and win it, um, you know, he's just he's got it. Uh, you know, talk about turning water to wine. Uh, I think I made that comment uh, back in the summer that he had that ability. Uh, you know, see him shouldn't have dropped the snap, but drops the snap, goes down on a knee, has a presence before he touched the ball to. To lift his knee off the ground, pick it up, get out of the pocket, pick up a critical uh, first down. Um, you know, he's just uh, he's he's got it, and uh, and so glad that he's he's on our team, and he's just he's fiercely protective uh, of the team. Uh, he's a tremendous teammate, um, but you know he's got that he's got that grit and determination too that. Uh, uh, all into, all into one package. That's what I tell him. I don't need to tell him anything more than that. Just go have at it. He definitely sees himself in JJ. You know, there's been some quotes throughout the season, and you know, we know that Coach Harbaugh as a quarterback came up big against Ohio State, and next week uh, it will be JJ's opportunity. And if the running game is is less than optimal. It's going to fall on his shoulders. Um, Clint, how do you feel about what Michigan should do heading into that game with what we know? Because, you know, perhaps the only person who knows uh, is Blake Corum himself and perhaps 
you know, the, the coaching staff deep in the heart of Schembechler Hall. Coach Harbaugh mentioned that if the players don't practice, they won't play. Um, I'm a little uh, skeptical of that, believing that if if a player woke up in Columbus and with a miraculous healing and uh, a miraculous recovery, I think the team would be okay with them coming through, even if they didn't practice. But and, and I really took that comment as just Harbaugh trying to duck having to answer the question about if they were going to practice or not. But um, with what you've seen of, about, of Ohio State and what you've seen about Michigan heading in to what we know, what kind of game plan would you expect? Well, I, I would say, first of all, um, the pressure is still all on Ohio State, you know, for as – as crazy as that seems, because Michigan is the the defending Big Ten champ, um, the pressure is still very much on Ohio State. They're the higher ranked team. They're going to be the favorite. I think the opening line that I saw was nine point favorite. Um, they're at home. They have won, you know, ten of the last twelve or or whatever it is, um, and. You know, right now between Ryan Day and, and Jim Harbaugh, the record's one and one because the game in 2020 was was canceled, was called off for COVID reasons, and Ohio State had a ridiculously good team, and Michigan had their worst team of the Harbaugh era. So, um, throwing that year out, you know, in the record, uh, and having it sit at one and one right now. Um, this is a huge pivotal game for for Ryan Day and his future as as the Buckeyes head coach, um, because questions about how he's running the program and how he's preparing the team physically to match up against Michigan in November, um, he had to revamp his entire defensive staff almost immediately after the season last year because of a game in Ann Arbor. If Michigan finds a way to win this game in Columbus especially if it looks similar, especially if it's a, it's a really a dominating performance in the trenches on both sides of the ball for the Wolverines, there's going to be some pretty hard questions for, um, for Ryan Day to answer. So in terms of the pressure cooker, there's, there's a lot more over there uh, on the Columbus side of the ledger. And I think personally that, that Harbaugh is kind of leaning into that you know, and, and that's a big reason for his messaging about this being a, uh, you know, a, a happy mission and they're all happy warriors. You know, they're enjoying the ride and, and trying to stay positive. And they 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 want all the pressure to, to be on top of the Buckeyes. And, and if they can execute well and play well at the beginning of this game, I think you'll, you'll feel the anxiety coming from the Buckeyes. Now, in terms of X's and O's, again, I think – what Michigan was able to do defensively last year. Um, we're going to see a lot of the same stuff. Um, I know Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo had huge games individually in, in terms of pass rush last year, and we're not going to be able to, to replicate that. But in terms of what types of coverage and trap coverage we play uh, behind uh, the different zone blitzes, I think Michigan's still going to be able to give C.J. Stroud enough problems that he's going to have to get the ball out relatively quickly and that Michigan should be able to cover relatively well without giving up uh, any major 
burst plays, long touchdown plays. I still say that is the main key. Don't give up um, 40-plus yard plays, right? I think this offense, as good and as talented as they are, the Buckeyes are going to get plays that are 20, 25, 30-yard chunks, but I think you got to stay over top of them and uh, give yourself room to stand, right? Line up and play another down. Just don't give up those 60, 70, 80-yard touchdown plays if you can avoid it. So defensively, I think that's the main key, uh, really capturing a lot of the same uh, schemes and a lot of the same uh, objectives that uh, that Mike McDonald was able to do last year. I think that they can replicate that. Um, on offense, I, I, I truly believe that the stuff that J.J. McCarthy is the best at has not been really core to the offense in the last two or three weeks. I think some of the passing concepts that he's best at um, will come back out. If you, if you rewatch the second game of the season and the third game of the season when J.J. was first starting, you'll you'll go back and you'll see some of those passing concepts that I'm talking about. Those are the things that he's best at uh, when he was you know going 20, 21 for 22 and throwing for 300 yards. Right, they were giving him a chance to be successful, and in the last three four weeks, I think they've been trying to put more uh, more X's and O's on film and challenge JJ McCarthy to to make some different throws. And now that uh, now that it's time to play the game, we're going to get back into you know trying to set things up to where JJ McCarthy can be much more successful. So it's still going to be a very run first. I think uh, J.J. McCarthy uh, becoming a bigger part of the zone read uh, running attack. You know, he's going he's gonna to have, you know, more rushing attempt, attempts this coming Saturday than he's had the last few weeks. That's going to open up a little bit uh, wider lanes for the, the running backs, whether it's Edwards or, or Corum or, or C.J. Stokes. I think those guys are going to be the beneficiaries of having to account for the quarterback in the run game. And I expect to see Michigan hit on a few chunk packs, pass plays of their own um, off of play action and off of uh, some of the run action stuff. And, uh, and also the last piece uh, that's a big difference from what we saw last week to this week is I'm hoping that A.J. Henning um, is able to return and, and likely we'll see him as uh, as kind of a threat uh, to the edge in the running game on some of those end of rounds. If you remember, he's the one that scored the first touchdown against uh, against the Buckeyes last year in Ann Arbor. So all of those things, again, I think are really sitting there right right beneath the surface. We'll see some of those things again, and, and then when uh, when push comes to shove, I expect to see McCarthy linking up with Ronnie Bell and Roman Wilson. Um, you know, deep over the middle, big chunk plays, 20, 25 yards off of run action. And I think Michigan uh, has every chance to be successful again uh, against the Buckeyes this year. So I think it is a very interesting point of strategy. If you win the coin toss and you're each team, what do you do, right? On one hand, Michigan has scored a touchdown in, uh, or scored first in seven of their nine first games, right? And five of those were touchdowns. So 
you know, like you said, I think the pressure is on Ohio State. If Michigan can go down there and score a touchdown and kind of put the, the doubt in them, I, I think it would be huge. I think it would be ginormous. And conversely, if you're Ryan Day, you know, you know, conventional wisdom says you want to get the ball in the second half, right? And yet, if you can go down, score on the Michigan defense – and kind of, you know, set the tone. So for me, it's all about the first possession of each team and who's going to defer to the who's who wants to have that initial advantage, okay? And I think it's going to be huge for setting the tenor of the game. You know, and and again, it's it, it's a it's a trivial thing, right? You know, it's the it's literally a coin flip. It's 50-50. And yet with everything that's riding on this game, with the pressure that's that's sitting on Ryan Day, and again, you know, you had the, you know, the COVID season. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang a hundred on him, and then Harbaugh came back the next year and said, well, some people were born on third, and you know, think they hit a triple, right? And again, that is shots across the bow on both sides, and this is you know splitting the difference, right? You had their one and one, you know like you said, against each other since Ryan Day got there. And Ohio State really looked out of sorts last year. And, you know, again, Midwestern football, we relish playing in the elements. And Ohio State didn't look like they liked playing in the elements. And welcome to the Midwest, right? So I think that, you know, you mentioned that they revamped their entire defense. That's not confidence, that's not, hey, we, we're doing the right thing and we just had a bad game. That's a massive uh, re, reset, of course. So, again, if you do that and you lose again, well, again, what does that say? So I do think that the pressure is on Ohio State. I think that Coach Harbaugh has done a lot this season. You know, again, the happy Warriors, not a grim task. You know, again, he, he referred to both teams as superheroes. Yeah, we're very we're very grateful to um, to be in this position to be playing in this game. Um, you know, winner takes the East. You know, winner takes all right there. So um, strong opponent, and um, it's the it's the kind of situation that gives you the opportunity to display how strong our team is. Um, you know, there's, there's no need to hate. You know, be grateful for the opponent. It's like superheroes. Uh, it's through a strong opponent that you get to find out who you are. Uh, they have a lot of players that are really good. They got great players. We got great players. They have great coaches. We have great coaches. They have players with Heisman habits. We have players with Heisman habits. And congratulations. Um, you know, be grateful for having the opportunity to play in this kind of big game. Uh, you know, never in, in my life would I refer to Ohio State as a superhero. But, you know, I, I can understand the tactic, right? It's, it's you know, and he said, hey, this is how you, how you grade yourself. This is how you define yourself in these big games. So, again, I think that, um, you know, a key player for Michigan is going to be Roman Wolfen. Um, Coach Harbaugh talked about, about how on the sideline versus Illinois – he reminded his team that, hey, this is like Penn State. You know, we're, we're, we're coming down to it. 
And, you know, one of the players who came up big was Roman Wilson in that game. Now, we all remember Eric All had the winning touchdown, but Roman Wilson had the one before that. And Wilson is a player who's been dinged up this year. Um, I, I expected more. And when I say expected more, I mean, again, you expect him to be available and targeted more. Between the trouble that we've had in the passing game and with him being out, I think, uh, you know, a huge game against Ohio State would be um, – would really set his season right. And I believe, you know, we saw um, even last year that when J.J. got in, he and Roman Wilson had, uh, you know, had teamed up a little bit. So, again, I think that, you know, Ronnie Bell is always going to be an important player. Um, You know, captain would love to have a shining performance against Ohio State. Um, but I got to believe that if you're, Ohio, if you're Ohio State, you're going to be doing everything you can to take Ronnie Bell out. And, and it doesn't mean you don't go to him, but, I mean, I think it leaves opportunities for other players. And, you know, if, if Michigan is going to have to tilt toward the passing game, you know, you look for Andrew Anthony. He's been, you know, I, I joked he was on a, a milk carton for most of this season because – really expected big things from him. So, again, I think that this is a chance for J.J. and the receivers to change the narrative, to rewrite, well, the long passing game has been disappointing. And, and you know, uh, again, if Michigan is going to be relying on um, secondary uh, players or backup players at the running back position, one way you open that up is you throw long, right? You stretch, you go vertical. So I think there's going to be lots of things to watch in this game. You're going to have the chess match between Harbaugh and, and Ryan Day. And, you know, I say I think it's a chess match on Jim's side and checkers on Ryan Day's side. So we'll get to see if, if that plays out the way the way I think it will. Yeah, I I expect to see... Um, if you're going to go back again, if, if you want to see the, the passing concepts and the plays and the routes and the throws that J.J. McCarthy does best, then go back and watch the second game of the season against Hawaii and the third game of the season against UConn. And, and you'll see, I think, a little bit more of what we should expect um, in terms of X's and O's. And then in terms of output or game flow, um, I, I think that this game is going to look a lot like the Maryland game, where um, the offenses will the offenses will dominate um, the narrative. You know that there are going to be big plays made on both sides, um, and it will come up. It'll come down to which defense can stand up and force a really critical turnover. Or come up with a key stop in a key in a key moment in the game, or as we've seen many times in this rivalry, who can kind of catch lightning in a bottle on special teams uh, in the return game. So I I think it's going to be pretty much uh, even in terms of how well their offense does against our defense, and vice versa, how well our offense does against their defense. I think that's going to work out pretty evenly. I think the yards gained is going to be a pretty even matchup. It's going to be about really who makes the, the biggest plays in the, in the high leverage moments 
defensively. And I still think if if this is a close game in the third and into the fourth quarter, I think the pressure cooker gets to them a little bit. And uh, I expect Michigan to win. Um, if it's uh, if it's a close game and you can weather the emotional storm in Columbus, then I expect Michigan to come out victorious and go to 12-0. and I'm expecting Michigan to win. I think it's going to be a dogfight. And, you know, that's the stuff you can say every year. But I really I really think that these are two 11-0 teams. I think that uh, Ohio State is still stewing that they didn't get a chance to put a beating on Michigan during the COVID year. And I think that they overlooked – if, if you can imagine that, Michigan last year. I think they expected, oh, well, this is the same team we were going to put a beating on, and that's not what happened in Ann Arbor. So I expect Michigan to win, and it's going to be interesting because, you know, Coach Harbaugh has said this, you know, and it's kind of, you know, he has his, um, his pat sayings that he says, right? It's like, you know, when they put pretty on the scoreboard, we'll, wor- we'll worry about it. Well, I was thinking that all during Illinois that, you know, you, you know, Clint, you've said this, survive in advance, right? Basically, mm-hmm. that's what you want to do. Well, you know, Coach Harbaugh has said repeatedly this year, this team finds a way. And with the challenges that they're going to face with these injuries, I think that this team has been instilled with to find a way. And I think, I think that's what's going to happen down in Columbus. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I think we will. I think we'll get a much clearer picture of who's going to really seize control of the game from a player standpoint and and from the team standpoint in the third quarter. And Michigan's been a really great third quarter team. Illinois is the only team that had a successful third quarter against Michigan, and and that's really where we're going to figure it out. I think it's going to be close through the first half. Um, you know, a, another series of adjustments. And who can really uh, predict um, what the other team's adjustments are going to be and, and then get your counterpunch ready. And that's what what Ryan Day did really well against Don Brown when he was the defensive coordinator. He kind of knew what what the adjustments would be, and he had his counterpunches ready and kind of preloaded. Uh, he was not able to do that against, uh, against Mike McDonald last year. And... Uh, the, the Buckeye players made some just outstanding physical and individual plays last year just to keep that game close uh, and within two scores. You know, if they had an average performance on offense last year, that game would have been a four-touchdown game. So I, I think Michigan's defensive scheme is built to to have the flexibility to give the Buckeyes just enough trouble. And, and I believe that the Michigan offense – will be able to be successful with their passing concepts um, and with with likely with Donovan Edwards kind of getting more carries and leading the charge in the running game. But I do think that Blake Corum's going to play. I think Blake Corum's going to get a handful of, of carries, and I think that he's going to be reasonably effective. I, just, I think that he's only going to get maybe 10 or 12 carries as opposed to 25 that we would have expected. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they adapt the game plan, but... If it's close in the third quarter going into the fourth, um, I think Michigan's offensive line and that running game are going to seize control, and and Michigan's going to win the game by a score. All right. 
Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.